enjoy sharing good news. Like the time when a patient I was caring for was so concerned about what the results of her lab work could mean. When the values came back well within the normal range, I picked up the phone to share with her this positive news. She answered my call, and as soon as she heard my voice, she started crying. Oh, God, I'm dying. I'm dying. Traditional psychology has demonstrated through multiple research studies that people tend to focus on negative events rather than positive ones. We even tend to learn more from negative outcomes and experiences. We tend to have a stronger motivation to avoid pain rather than seek pleasure. We tend to make decisions based on negative information rather than, rather than positive data. And we tend to remember negative experiences over positive experiences. Best-selling author, Dr. Michael Bechtel puts it this way. When, when we hear bad news, it takes three to four seconds for it to go into our long-term memory. When we hear good news, it takes 12 seconds before it drops into our long-term memory. And if we get distracted before the 12 seconds is up, it doesn't go in at all. So if we're gonna to choose to be intentionally positive, we can change our focus literally 12 seconds at a time. If we are aware of it, we can seek to learn and to change. Now this is the voice of Nina Ellison and today, we're in part four of a series on how to use those micro moments in time to help us recharge on the go so that we can serve ourselves and those around us in the midst of crisis. Today, we're looking at ways to reframe our attitude. This moment of micro resilience comes when you choose to focus on the positive. In fact, as you choose to do this over and over again, you find that you are literally crowding out the negative thoughts that have been filling your mind and taking you in a downward spiral. Over the past few weeks, the story of Captain Tom Moore has captured my heart and my mind as I've learned of this centenarian from the UK. During this time of lockdown, Captain Tom determined that he wanted to walk 100 laps around his garden before his 100th birthday. In doing this, his goal was to raise 1,000 pounds, about a little over $1,200, in honor of the heroes of the front lines of the National Health Service. Well, his, his birthday has passed, but his message has continued to inspire millions. He's still walking. And he's raised over 28 million pounds. That's over $34.5 million. Imagine if Captain Tom had said, oh no, this crisis is really bad. This is really terrible. I'm almost 100 and I could potentially spend my last days on earth in lockdown, not able to see my friends, not able to move around the places that I love that give me comfort. I mean, I'm even considered in a high-risk category. But rather than being distracted by the negative, we see that Captain Tom gained traction. And perhaps, perhaps he asked himself the question, what can I do to make a difference where I am today? 
In reading more about his life, it's become evident to me that this choice wasn't a, a one-time thing. Captain Tom, in addition to his military career where he earned three medals, also served as an instructor in the military and, and had a career as a director level leader. For 64 years, Captain Tom organized a reunion of his military unit. So this year, during the, the coronavirus um, crisis, the world is acknowledging something that this man has been doing over and over again for years. And when you read his story and you hear his perspective, you can see that he's been reframing his mind, choosing the positive, and literally shifting the trajectory of his life. Let me pause here to share my concern that when you hear this idea of, of reframing, reframing your mind and choosing the positive, you're going to think, oh, Mimi is such a Pollyanna. She's such an idealist, a dreamer. And I, I would agree with you if this was only about making the choice to have positive thoughts. But I promise you this concept is so much deeper. Perhaps a, a question that helps me understand the value of positivity in a crisis is to consider how can I feel the pain and grieve with those who are in pain? How can I sense the anxiety of those who are fearful and still use my mind to move forward in a focus that supports those in pain, those with anxiety, those with fear? This idea of reframing our minds does not take us towards an inability to be aware of reality or leave us irrelevant in a crisis. Rather, this idea of reframing our mind and choosing the positive moves our mental stance to a place where we can advance our effectiveness in times of crisis and change. One of my mentors was a nurse called Mama John. She was also my mom. And in the mid-1980s, she volunteered in Ethiopia during a time of tremendous famine. Ethiopia in 1983 was a country with just over 38 million people. And yet the United Nations has estimated that over a million famine deaths occurred from 1983 to 1985. Over a million famine deaths. World Vision has written that a perfect storm of adverse events occurred for this crisis to erupt. In 1985, Mama John worked in a clinic and a feeding center in the northern part of Ethiopia, in a town called Ravel. Here's some of what she shared with me about this crisis when she returned to the USA. As part of the children found their way to the feeding center, they told stories of running as fast as they could for fear of the hyenas. With their young eyes, they had seen what happened to those who were too weak to flee from these prowling, hungry predators. And Mama John shared that the young Ethiopian team members wouldn't let her outside at times because the sights were beyond description. And later they would weep together as they helped to bury half-eaten bodies of those who had gotten so close to help and, and yet not close enough. One day the team leaders dug a hole for a young child who had died. The mother handed the naked corpse to Mama John to hold. And, and 
she began searching around for a part of a blanket to wrap the body in. But in looking down at that limp body, too young for all the suffering it had known, she began to sob. And she shared that this was one of the lowest times in her life. And yet she didn't stay there. And what I learned from her as she shared the story was that after holding this lifeless child that had no clothes, she put pen to paper and she focused on what she could do by writing her granddaughter in the USA and asking her for help to collect children's clothes for these children that she was getting to know in Ravel. Her choice was to reframe her mind and it moved her back to the reason for her being there in, in this desperate crisis. In her book on micro-resilience, Bonnie John mentions several tips, critical questions, several quizzes to help those who are seeking to learn more about reframing their mind. I mean, it's clear that we are wired to move towards the negative. And so how do we choose to change that? And for today, I, I wanna share one question to consider in reframing your mind when you find it's taking you where you don't wanna go. This is a question you can ask or you can share it with someone from work or a friend or a family member who's really struggling to find a positive stance. So grab your notes, grab an iPad, your scrap of paper and write down this question. The question is, what am I committed to during this crisis? What am I committed to during this crisis? What are you committed to during this crisis? You know, after acknowledging your feelings of anger, frustration, helplessness, asking yourself what you are committed to forces you to shift from a negative thought or negative thoughts and instead look at what are you trying to have as a desired outcome? What is it that you value the most? Often when you find yourself focusing in on everything that is wrong around you, you and I, we sometimes begin to sense that we're the only one that's thinking and doing and feeling right. And, and often we are right. But I would share a little word of warning for you and, and for me. When we confirm that we are right, when so much else around us is wrong, we can find ourselves in a rut. And even by being right, our, our stance, our, our, our position in our mind is incredibly negative. Asking the question about what you are committed to connects you back to your purpose. You know, while you're doing what you're doing will help you move towards what you're trying to achieve. So as we think about reframing our mind, the goal here is not to always be right, but to shift our minds towards forward, positive motion. And I, I'll tell you, you will find yourself open to seeing new things when you approach the things that are getting you into a negative stance. You know, I mentioned the story about my mom, and I can obviously tell you so many, but even as a young girl, I can remember her telling me when I was so stuck on an opinion where I knew I was right. I can remember her saying, Nina, you can be wrong by being so very right. Think about the benefits of what I'm suggesting, what I'm asking you to consider when you say, 
okay, what am I committed to during this time? You know, the, the anger and the frustration will continue as a part of the balance that, that we need, that you need as a leader to accept reality. But reframing your thinking by adding in the balance of realism with optimism is a key in this moment from heading down the path of negativity. And this is even harder for those who are quick thinkers because it is so easy to live in the land of being critical. Notice I didn't say critical thinking. There's a huge difference between those two. In fact, one of the lessons that I keep learning about working in tough times is this idea of discovering grace. You know, we, we talk about offering grace in our personal lives, but often offering grace is not discussed within companies or organizations or even by leaders. And yet it has potential to be a significant differentiator, not only in your life, but in the lives with whom you live and work. You know, I think of grace like the oil of a car, reducing friction, helping to avoid premature wear and tear, carrying heat to the cooler parts of the engine so that no one part gets too hot. Taking the time to comprehend the impact of grace builds on our self-awareness of the choices we have when challenges arise. Imagine responding to the question of what you are committed to and then adding in the tagline of a willingness to be gracious to those around you, moment by moment. In closing, I'd like to offer a practical, positive opportunity that will advance your team's growth during this time of crisis. A way to step back for one hour a week to share and process thoughts. What I'm referring to is a mastermind experience. This month, the mastermind experience I'm facilitating is called Leading Through Crisis, Staying the Course. Does this idea intrigue you? Are you leading a group that you'd like to offer a mastermind growth experience to? If so, head to my website at www.healthyleadership.online forward slash home and schedule a brief complimentary call. I'd love to learn more about how I can support you and your team during these challenging days.